0: As we share today, we continue uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mound, Matthew, the fifth chapter, and the following chapters, where we not only find the Lord's uh, prayer, but many other teachings that Christ has taught us. These are the red letters that you find in your Bible, if you have such a Bible. Um, Today, we're gonna look at Matthew, the fifth chapter, starting at the uh, 37th verse is the last verse, but it starts really on verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder. Whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you are liable to the council. And if you say you've, you're, um, you fool, you are liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gifts at the altar, if you remember that your brother and sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First to be reconciled to your brother and sister and then to come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to the court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Then the um, if we look at the 37th verse, let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. And be to God. Amen. And let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may see these words as you Explain the Ten Commandments in a way that we need to understand in relationship of covenant. Lord, help us to show this compassion you call us to and this love that you asked us to. Lord, let us be your people in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, to best understand that, well, the Sermon on the Mount is to understand that Jesus is fulfilling his mission and work on the earth. And his mission and work on the earth is salvation, our salvation, the salvation of the world. Up until this point, salvation has been based on code, has been based on law, been based on the Jewish teachings from the Old Testament. This is from Exodus. If you have your pew Bibles, I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, which is the version... In your Bible in the pew, Exodus, the 20th chapter, and let us look at this scripture. And this is the framework in which Jesus is teaching this. This is the scene where Moses now is receiving the commandments from God. And then God spoke to all... So then God spoke all these words. And these are the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery... You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquities of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me but showing steadfast love to the thousands of generations, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the seventh day and keep it holy. Six uh, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a seventh to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, Your male or female slave, your livestock, or alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. That is the scene that describes the giving of the Ten Commandments in Exodus, the 20th chapter that lays the groundwork of the Sermon on the Mound that Jesus expresses in Matthew, the fifth chapter. What Jesus is doing is helping us to understand these commandments are abiding. But now he explains them as they are called to be understood. So we're going to look at that. First, at the idea of commandment. In the 21st verse, it says, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. That's one of the commandments I just read from Exodus, to 20th chapter, and whoever murders is liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. What Christ is doing is he is taking the checkbox, the list of commandments. Um, I once knew a man who bragged to me he had broken every commandment. And I said, that's horrible. And he said, yes, I broke every commandment. And I said, that's terrible. And he said, yes, I have broken every commandment. See, commandments are a checkbox. They're a list. And if our faith were limited to just the list, we can either break them all or we can obey them all. And Christ isn't going to let us get away with that. Because that is not righteousness, that is not justice, that is not the faith we are called to live. So in the scripture, Jesus is taking the commandment of murder and saying you shall not murder. But now he's saying if you're even angry with someone, you committed that sin. You have broken the law. Therefore, you will be judged according to that. So he is taking the commandments. He says that if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. If you say you're a fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. He's dealing with the commandments here. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount is the commandments from Exodus 20 revealed in the grace of Jesus the Christ. And it sets a new standard that replaces commandment with consistency, with covenant. God is replacing a checkbox now with a lifestyle that we are called to be holy. In fact, later on in the Sermon on the Mount, he says to us, Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He lays the groundwork upon which only he can save us. We cannot save ourselves. So let's look at this scripture even more. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, this is talking about worship. When you come to worship, when we come together, worship is about receiving, which is what is happening now. You're receiving the word of God from someone who is ordained and called to preach the word of God, and you are giving. You gave with the offerings upon the table, which I showed last Sunday when I went around and pointed at the holy objects, and you have seen it given with the young people with their song of praise, and we give to each other in Christian fellowship. When we welcomed each other today, there was great love and fellowship among us. See, these are ways that we offer our gifts at the altar. So Jesus is saying it's not just a checkbox that you must check each and every item to be righteous. Now when you come to worship, if you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift before you take it to the altar, leave it and be reconciled to your brother and sister and then come offer your gift. In other words, consistently, Worship God in all things, at all times, in all places, in all ways. Now, to just follow a checkbox, a list, is a very human thing to do. But we're talking about something that is not human, it is divine. Heaven is eternal. We are called to be eternal. We are children of the living God. And if we can't get along with each other here, then how are we going to get along up there? The word of God is very clear that God does not play this game of humanity where we like and we dislike. God expects us to love. He expects us to love one another and to show that love. And when we do not, to help and then to show that love more. So he says to leave your gift before the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. He says to do this quickly Or the person who is accuser. And who is the accuser in Greek here? What is that translation? Is that the person that you have a conflict with? No, the accuser is the devil. The accuser is evil. The accuser came to Jesus and tempted him in the wilderness. The accuser is the one working to break us apart instead of bring us together. We have an active force in the world to drive us away from this place of worship to our creator. The accuser does not want us to love one another. He wants us to hate one another and to accuse one another and to destroy one another. The accuser is the enemy not us. We are just children of the living God. And that's enough because God shows us that love and this accuser will then take us even further and hand us over to the judge and the judge to the guard and we'll be thrown into prison as the scripture says. And then he says, truly, and this is very important. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Now what is that? What does that mean? Does that mean I have to give more offering? Does it mean I have to pray more and sing more? Well, certainly all those things will help. But what is the last penny? What is this full measure that God requires of us? And that's consistency, and that's compassion. And that's covenant. So how do we live into covenant? Yesterday, I was at an event at Hay Street, United Methodist Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. dismantling the racial taboo, dealing with the racism of our culture and our church's response. It was a beautiful, powerful. Uh, It's a workshop with many teachers, and I've helped on that committee, unbeknownst to some of you. And I see this as an important role of our church now that extends to all people. And I bring back this litany that you got in your handout. This comes from that ceremony yesterday that we all read together. And I'll read the plain print and you'll read the bold print. It's a litany confession and pardon. This will help us move from the commandment model to the covenant model. God of reconciliation, you have called us to be ambassadors of healing and understanding in Christ. Yet it is easy for us to make ourselves feel good by pointing out failures in others. We talk about them behind their back. We are so frequently unfair. When others within our community of faith make mistakes or turn their back on you, rather than approaching them with a spirit of tender love and gentleness and meekness, we nurture pride and contempt in our hearts. Rather than dealing with our brother and sister directly and with genuine concern, we gossip and judge. Lord, we need to help one another in our journey of faith. And all of us make many mistakes and get lost along the way. All of us need to learn gentleness, patience, and kindness from one another. Love ought to be determined how we deal with our brothers and sisters and your family. Everyone needs to be understood, and often we need the counsel of others to see who see what we are doing is better than we can see for ourselves. We need to be accountable to one another because that is the only way we can continue to grow your love. We are part of your community, the church. The whole point of our common life together is learning how to love and then sharing that love with everyone you bring into our path. Whenever we hurt one another by our words or our actions, move us towards reconciliation quickly. Help us be honest with one another. But I always speak the truth in love. We want to be faithful family of healing and love. us And make us one our Amen. When we read that yesterday, it struck me as a very important document, though the purpose of reading it was to reach a level of reconciliation among the five races represented at this gathering. There's only five. Only five colors in this spectrum of race. But it went beyond just the racial capacity of me being there with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Went more to the living as we as Christians are called to live. I do not know why the culture day is the way it is of division But I do know in this place at this time we are the body of Christ and we come together and when I read this document I thought so much of how we also have divisions even though we may share similar cultures and backgrounds and history and tradition this division is not uh, just simply a single issue it is connected to all the issues that try to drive the children of God away. So how do we learn to move from commandment to covenant? How do we move from a pattern of checking a box to living now a consistent Christian life of love? Well, that is what this confession shares, and it's also why we were in the service. We had a young man at my table. His name was Ravion, and he liked my name Jerome because his brother is named Jerome and we shared together and he was a young man and he was there with his mother who had sung a solo and i really took a liking to ravion because of his name i thought it was so cool the name is really a great name and we talked and so i wrote something for ravion and i don't think he's ever had anything like this happen it was a very beautiful day and i said i wrote you a poem ravion God has led me to do that. And he said, You did? And I said, Yes, sir, I did. It's really a song. Because I noticed when his mother was singing, he was singing. And every song we sang, he sang. He already knew the words. And he's a young man, seven years old. And so I said, This is what I wrote for you. Let me see what you see, for I do not see who you see. Let me know who you know, for I do not know. Watch, you know. Oh, the grace beyond this place may reside in me. Oh, your grace upon this place. Heal and set me free. Let me sing when you sing. For I do not sing where you sing. Let me love where you love. For I do not love when you love. Oh, the grace beyond this place may reside in me. Oh, your grace. Upon this place, heal and set me free. You should have seen his, his spirit beaming, the light shining from within. Because he heard this. I think he was bored with the workshop, the way he acted. He was on his phone a lot. <laughs> but after that, he put down his phone and he actually started paying attention to the workshop to a higher level. And he... I could tell was realizing that here is this older white man with a gray beard and gray hair showing him love in the name of Christ. A young man who is of a different race and a different culture. And he was not seeing it from the skepticism of someone who is older and has been hurt though he may have been. I do not know. We did not talk about that. But what I was doing was moving the needle that Christ has from commandment to covenant. And I was doing it by expressing love through words that could be sung. And saying to him, let me see what you're seeing and who you're seeing, for I can't see that, And let me sing where you are singing and when you are singing. For I cannot sing, but we can claim this grace beyond this place which resides upon us. And your grace upon this place, heal and set me free. Christ sees the division in the crowd that day on the Sermon on the Mount. He sees the anger. He sees the animosity. He sees the righteous. He sees the unrighteous. There is nothing hidden from his gaze. The people who came to that place on that day came for a purpose because they knew something great was happening. And the great thing that was happening was not another law. It was not another mountain. It was a small hill beside an inland sea called Galilee. They came because they were hurting It came because they needed a Savior. They needed someone not only to know their pain, but to take it away. Someone to love them. So that is indeed the call that we find in the 37th verse as we move from this commandment now to covenant with consistency and we're able to have compassion. Pray every day for those who do not see what you see. In that 37th verse, it says this. It says, let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. What is Christ doing? How can he be so direct and so clear? He gives us no room to wiggle. He gives us no room to justify. He allows us no place of solitude and sanctuary. He is saying to us, either you live by this covenant or you do not. And if you try to add to the covenant, and if you try to add to the commandments... It is not from me. It is from God. I said to an African-American pastor yesterday, I said, you know, I started school the year integration happened in North Carolina. I remember as a young man, my father integrated a little church called Providence. And I remember the phone call that day that someone threatened to burn something in our yard if my dad didn't quit it. I remember as a young boy, I ran to my father and I said, why is there such hate? And he could not answer. For how can we answer such a thing when we can't even answer it in our own lives of this hate? But now, many years later, here I find myself... And what has really been done? Well, a lot. A lot of sacrifice. A lot of lives. But more than that, God is moving us towards a common destination. And that is that place beyond where grace abounds and is pouring out to us. So let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. So let me ask the question Do you believe in Jesus the Christ? Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in the words contained in the Old and New Testament? Do you believe in me and I believe in you? Yes. Yes. Do we believe we're all going to heaven by the grace of God? (laughs) You have to say yes to that more than once now. And as I'm coming back from the meeting, I was talking to someone trying to figure out when this all started. And I think it started in the garden, this separation, when the one party saw the fruit and the other party saw the fruit. And together they violated the commandment God said do not eat of this tree yet they broke the commandment and then God said you have broken this law therefore you must live according to this law but this word of Jesus is so powerful because it says to us God is able to go beyond the law because if not we're going to get we're going to get God no one that's terrible language I know I heard it (laughs) after I said it. But I challenge you to drive to the end of Spring Hill Church Road and not break the law. Some of you are already laughing because you broke it before you even left the parking lot. (laughs) I guarantee it. You're going to drive too fast. You're going to go over the line, the white line or the yellow line. You're not going to get proper signals. I could go through the whole list and believe me, The police know the list. (laughs) See, we can't get through this life without breaking the law. That's why a checkbox isn't good enough. And believe me, you can put a lot of checks on one part, but can we put checks on all those parts? And I'm glad Jesus expanded it beyond the law. And he now has a covenant with us. And he says to us, like that beautiful, you know, song and anthem, he loves us and we're his child. And what father or mother who truly loves their child will not look past the troubles the child may have. They bring home a bad grade. I was in Moorhead Elementary. Now I brought home my report card and I had solid E's on my report card E's. I told my daddy, I bragged, I said, I got all E's. He said, what? He said, are you my boy? What is going on? I said, you don't understand. And mama said, I can't believe it. We thought you were the smarter one, but we don't think that now. They come to find out he been excellent. I'm not saying I did that in high school or in college. Uh, I want to be... I have failed you. I have hurt some of you. I can't make you forgive me. But I can say that Jesus loves me, and Jesus certainly loves you. I could show The same redemption that he has shown me. Humility is a great virtue. It allows us to know God's place in our life. And it forces us to acknowledge God's lordship in our life. But we are together. God has put us together. And no matter what happens, you are loved. Let your words be yes, yes, or no, no. For anything else does not come from Him. Thank you for being a wonderful and beautiful congregation. Thank you for being a church with patience and tolerance. But we're all going together where God would have us go. Amen.